a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling Everything's going my way Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Bing Crosby Show and the Railroad Hour. Today's Bing Crosby episode features Bob Burns, who essentially is the forerunner to Andy Griffith, just that old-style uh, comedy, um, southern, just kind of fun to listen to. He's wonderful, actually. And then he played an instrument that he invented in the ni- 1910-ish that was called the bazooka. And the bazooka was kind of like a trombone sort of thing. But later on in World War II, they started calling the anti-tank weapons bazookas, from his the name of his instrument so that name sticks with us today and a lot of people don't know where it came from but that is where it came from the other uh, star on today's show is patty page and patty page was the number one singer female singer in the 1950s she had at this point in the early 50s three number one hits already Uh, she had a big hit in 47 and then she had hits throughout the 50s and over her career she would sell a hundred million records pretty amazing what a career and you have a chance to hear her tonight some of the songs i'll be doing tonight they are going to do sleigh ride with being in the rhythm airs so if you still want to earn that christmas sort of spirit there's a song it wasn't really considered a christmas song at the time it sure is now though uh, come what may, Patty Page will sing that, and she just recently recorded it. She says. Then we're going to get a little comedy skit and with Bing Crosby and Bob Burns. Then how come you do me like you do, which is going to be Bing Crosby with Bob Burns and his bazooka. If you catch a little cold, I'll sneeze for you with Patty Page and Bing. Then it's. It's no sin with Bing Crosby and the Rhythm Airs closes out the show, so I hope you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I'll read you a little bit of an article here from the time frame. It's from the Miami News, January 30th, 1952. Bob Bazooka Burns, one of Bing's early radio and movie sidekicks, and Patty Page, songstress, will share the guest spotlight tonight, is what it says. So... I hope you enjoy both of them, and we'll see you next time. Also, Railroad Hour sounds like a pretty clear copy to me, so I hope you're going to enjoy that as well. And we'll see you folks next time. Sound off! Sound off! Sound 
off for Chesterfield. Howdy folks, a big hello, we're here to start the Crosby Show. Before you do another thing, just take this tip from Brother Bing. Sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Drive back to Chesterfield and do it today. Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter. Welcome to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed in Hollywood, with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins of the Bears, and Bing's guests, Miss Patty Page and Mr. Bob Burns. Ladies and gentlemen, this being National Potato Chip Week. I would like to announce that the National Potato Chip Institute has designated Gary Crosby as this year's chip off the old block. <laughs> and now, here's the old block himself, yeah. Bing Crosby. That's right, Ken. Gary did get the gold potato chip, suitably inscribed, oh, too, yes. Oh. And thanks to our friends in Idaho and Maine and wherever Spud Sprout for this crisp, appetizing award. Gee, you know, I'll bet Bob Hope is burned up that you Crosbys were so honored. No, no, he's been taken care of, Ken. It so happens that the potato chip people have honored Hope, too. Oh, really? Yes. What award did oh, he get? He's been selected as Mr. Deep Fat of 1952. <laughs> Wade. Oh, that boiled sizzle at the... <laughs> you know, Bing, perhaps we shouldn't kid Bob, Why though. not? He kids Why, me I understand. No, hmm? no, I think we should be careful. Why? I understand Bob contracted a very severe case of poison oak. I'd like to see the oak that could poison him. <laughs> no, no, he really did huh? get poison oak. Got it playing golf. Well, he always wanted to be a scratch player. <laughs> now he can really scratch. Say, I suppose I could do the handsome thing, though. What's that? Well, you know, send him a bottle of calamine lotion and, and one of those wooden hands on a stick to reach those faraway places. <laughs> He's got an abundance of them. <laughs> down yonder. Yes, down yonder. <laughs> you know, Bing, I've often wondered uh, what kind of a golfer is Bob? Uh, I mean, what's his handicap? His lack of talent, I guess. <laughs> But let's forget old clabber gal for the nonce, oh, shall we, Ken, and consider yeah. this potato chip business. This is a very engrossing subject. I'd like to hear about it. Because the Institute uh, has sent me some literature on the subject, and I was surprised to find that the history of the potato chip is alive, just teeming with drama. Well, it sounds exciting. Educational, too. For instance, did you know that the first potato chip was made in 1853? 1853, yes, huh? You know, I think I got that one at the Villanova the other <laughs> night. <laughs> Well, now, you should be happy. That was a vintage year, you oh, know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole thing really came about accidentally. Mm -hmm. You see, the potato chip was invented when an old Indian lady... <laughs> <laughs> she dropped a thin slice of potato into a frying pan. I hope I get that question on a quiz program sometime. <laughs> well, if you do, you'll be in the chips. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, there was a fella... When she dropped this thing in the, in the frying pan, a yep. fellow named George Crumb came by. He saw the crisp bit of potato in the pan, and he popped it into his mouth. And what did he say? Holy smoke, that's hot. <laughs> that's what he said, huh? That's a direct quote. Those words are on microfilm in the time capsule. <laughs> Just think, if that fellow hadn't eaten that hunk of potato, the potato chip would never have been. Oh, don't even talk of such a thing, oh. Ken. What a frustrating thought that could be. 
You know, if it wasn't for the potato chip, Elsa Maxwell might never have invented the cocktail party. Oh. Yeah. Well, Bing, since you've done uh, some research on this subject... Yes, I have maybe you can uh, Maybe you can help me out with something that's... Well, it's, it's bothered me for some time. I'd be happy to. You know, after eating potato chips at a party, what's the proper method of getting the salt off your fingers? Well, there are several accepted methods, Ken. One way is to pet a dog if one is handy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> probably a shaggy one, I presume. I, I believe Emily Post recommends a French poodle. <laughs> Another way, of course, is to casually rub your hands over the drapes. Mm-hmm. I, I, like but, uh, I guess, after all, the best method is to find a friend who's wearing a blue serge suit and slap him on the back. Is that, is that really the best way? Well, uh, that way you can see if you're getting any results. <laughs> Positively ingenious. Well, the Americans are forever inventive. Uh, Ken, I think we'd better get on to some music here now. We've, we've yacked quite a while. Our opening selection is a little wintry roundelay, suitable for the season, entitled Sleigh Ride. John Scott, Jingle Them Bells. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting a tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside, the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's grand, just holding your hand. We're gliding along with a song of a wintery fairyland. Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy cozy, are we? We're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather wouldn't be. Let's take that road before us and sing up a chorus or two. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. There's a birthday party at the home of Farmer Gray. It'll be the perfect ending of a perfect day. We'll be singing the songs we love to sing without a single stop. At the fireplace where we watch the chestnuts pop. Pop, pop, pop. There's a happy feeling nothing in the world can buy When they pass around a java and the pumpkin pie It'll nearly be like a picture print by Courier and Ives These wonderful things are the things we remember all through our lives Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring-a-ting, jingling too Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Let's take that road before us and sing up a chorus or two. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Whoa now, whoa there, easy. Steady there, steady. Everybody out. Ding, ding, ding.
I've got a word for all the folks in the more than 1,250 towns where our show is heard. Soon now, you'll hear me telling you about Chesterfield's sales increasing in your hometown, just as they're increasing fast in Providence, Milwaukee, in my hometown of Peoria, Illinois, and all over the country. Now, there are two reasons for this. Chesterfields are much milder, and they give you the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. No unpleasant aftertaste, confirmed by a leading research organization. Mildness, well, you can prove that by smoking Chesterfields. So sound off for Chesterfield. For the first time, you'll get the cigarette that's much milder with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. This boy is absolutely right, friends. Now, folks, I would like to present our first guest of the evening, a young lady who is easily the country's top female recording artist. From Claremore, Oklahoma, the singing rage, Miss Patty Page. What are you going to kick off with tonight, Patty? What are you going to open up with? Well, I'd like to do a new song called Come What May. This happened to be a recent recording? Well, we did it about two weeks ago, oh, Well, we're getting right in on the ground floor, folks. This is practically a premiere performance of Come What May. John, are you ready? A gypsy with a crystal ball to gaze in can look into the future, so they say. But I am so afraid of fortune tellers. To know the truth might cast my world away. Just suppose I called upon a gypsy to find you're gonna break my heart someday. So, darling, I'm confessing, not knowing is a blessing. You can keep me guessing, come what may. A gypsy with a crystal ball to gaze in can look into the future, so they say. But I am so afraid of fortune telling. To know the truth might cast my world away Just suppose I called upon a gypsy To find you're gonna break my heart someday So darling, I'm confessing Not knowing is a blessing You can keep me guessing, come what may She sings fine, really fine, Patty. Thank you. Now, folks, I'd like to welcome one of my very good friends, cohort and associate of some years back on the Kraft Music Hall, a man whose rural ruminations and homespun hokum are familiar to one and all. Van Buren, Arkansas's ambassador to the San Fernando Valley, Bob Burns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thank you, Bing. Thank you. I'm awful glad you introduced me like I'm a member of the Diplomatic Corps. After all, I am known as the Anthony Eden of Canoga Park. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that raccoon Hamburg you wear. <laughs> yeah, it's lucky I read Esquire. Oh. I knew enough to cut the tail off. <laughs> What'd you do with the raccoon tail, Bob? You got it hung on the radiator of your car? No, I had it made into a choker for my pee hen. <laughs> Man, that's stylish. That's real style. A fur choker for your pee hen. I bet that caused quite a stir around the hen house. It sure did. Plenty of gossip going on, too. Yeah? The other birds think she's been stepping out with a rich old bald eagle. Uh, <laughs> nothing personal. No, no, nothing oh. pointed. <laughs> I believe you, Bob. Nothing like a gal in a new fur piece to start the tongues wagging. Say, by the way, what does your peacock think of the peahen getting all dolled up like that? Oh, Bing, he's burned up. Cooked, he packed huh? up his plumes and moved to his club. <laughs> well, I guess when you get right down to it, animals and birds, they will have their little squabbles, just as human beings will. Yeah, you know, birds and animals on farms nowadays are just as used to mechanical conveniences as human beings are. Oh, sure, are. modern farms are the last word. Well, I've got electric nest warmers for my hens. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in the cold winter, them hens used to lay their eggs from a standing position. <laughs> they heat up the nest a little. They need an egg catcher, that's what you need. Yeah, I've got ultraviolet ray slop troughs from a hog. No, really? You know, my cows have never been touched by human hands. I don't believe Up till the big storm a couple of weeks ago, that is. What happened then? Well, the storm blew down the power lines and they couldn't use the milking machine. Good heavens, that might have been catastrophic. Well, yeah, you see, you see, my cows had never been milked by anything but, but a machine. Mm -hmm. When I started to milk them by hand, I milked and the milk, nothing happened. Well, what was wrong? Well, tell you the truth, I think them cows are just as embarrassed as I was. <laughs> You mean, you, you, you provoked some bovine blushes, huh? Yeah, yeah. That might have been a shock to them, Bob. I suppose up to then they'd always regarded you as a perfect gentleman. Well, <laughs> I tell you, Bing, you know, farming's a lot of trouble. Of course it is. Plenty of headaches. During that big storm, my ducks just pretty near went crazy. They never saw so much water. Oh, man, we really got it, didn't we? I tell you, those ducks was hysterical. Had to take them see a doctor. Oh, did you take them to a psychiatrist? No, I always take my ducks to a quack. <laughs> well, this is an age of specialization. Well, I've been trying to get my chickens to lay more eggs, mm. so I put electric lights in the hen house so the hens wouldn't fall asleep on the job. Oh, you keep the hen house lighted at night so the hens will produce more eggs, huh? Yeah, it's not working out so good at my place, though. Why not? Well, every night my rooster sneaks in and turns off the light. <laughs> I guess that's just a rooster doesn't believe in progress. I'm not so sure about um, that. You're... You're raising lots of chickens, huh, Bob? Oh, the chickens are just a sideline, Bing. At heart, I'm a pig man. Oh, you know, I made a mistake uh, huh. when I got them pigs. I got all pedigreed hogs. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I'm sorry I did, because I get an inferiority complex. <laughs> you know, I haven't got a hog on my place didn't come from a better family than I did. <laughs> Pretty fancy, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, why, the fancy hogs, I let them come right in the house with oh, me. Isn't that a little unsanitary? They haven't caught anything yet. <laughs> Rugged beast. 
But, Bob, I, I know you didn't drop in to discuss pigs. There's something that you wanted to talk to me about. What, what do I owe the pleasure of this little visit, hmm? Well, Bing, tell you the truth, uh, I'm always after something, ain't I? I uh, came down here to see you because I got some problems. What advice can you give me about going on television? Don't. <laughs> Next problem, please. Well, I really have got a problem trying to cook up a television show. You see, on radio, I had all my kin folks to talk about. Well, that's simple. Why don't you put your kin folks on television? Bing, I had trouble cleaning that bunch up for radio. <laughs> Can't be as bad as all that. You must have some relatives with talent. Well, now that you mention it, some of them do. There's my Aunt Pudgy. Aunt Pudgy? Yeah, that's my fat aunt. She's quite a singer. She ever appeared in public singing anyway? Yeah, 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 sure. She, you know, her ideal is Lily Pond. Oh, yeah. I remember she got a picture of Lily Pond's and had a dress made just like the one Lily Pond's had on. Is that so? And she gave a concert at King's Opera House in Van Buren. That's before they put the hay in there. <laughs> and you know, when she got that dress on, she didn't look a thing like Lily Pond's. Where Lily Pond's curves in, Aunt Pudgy curves out. <laughs> Where Lily Pond's curves out, Aunt Pudgy leaves the road entirely. <laughs> oh, disappear. Well, that sounds dangerous. You should paint a white line down her back or something. But you've got plenty of other relatives anyhow. What about your Uncle Slug? Yeah, yeah, that's my drinking yeah. uncle. How about him? If I could sober him up, he might be good for one of them afternoon cooking shows. Do you cook, Uncle Slug? Well, not exactly, but he got a wonderful recipe for making white mule in a hollow tree stump. Sounds like quite a science. Does he lose many stumps? Well, it's funny you mentioned losing them stumps. You know, he used to have a way. Don't look for it. It ain't on I there. don't think so. <laughs> Very little of it is. I've got a skeleton. You know, he used to mix his stuff in a, in a hollow stump, and then he'd age it. And the way he found out if it was aged, ready to drink or not, he'd... He'd go there and he'd drop a horseshoe in it. If the horseshoe went to the bottom, wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. If the horseshoe curled up and jumped out, it's ready to drink. <laughs> and you know, after he drained off that liquor, many a time I've seen that stump get up and go off through the woods looking for bear. Sounds like a powerful potion Uncle Slug makes, but assuming that you could lure Uncle Slug away from his stump and get him on his feet, is there anything he could do, any entertainment he could provide on TV? What's his act? Well, Uncle Slug, quite a performer. He plays a jug. You mean he can get a tune out of a jug? If there's anything in a jug, he'll get it out. <laughs> well, gee, Bob, I'm sorry. All your relatives aren't shaping up for the TV show. At least none of those we've mentioned. We haven't dug up anybody yet. Well, I got others. Oh. There's my cousin Walford, yeah. my Aunt Peachy Sims, Uncle Hod Durnit. Mm-hmm. None of them can do anything. <laughs> Everything will come out all right, Robin. By God, I, I sure wish you'd brought your bazooka with you tonight so we could have done a number together. I've got my bazooka here. <laughs> I had to open my big mouth. <laughs> you know, the bazooka is a mighty handy instrument, Bing. I've pumped out my basement, you know. During the flood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm going to have to play this tonight. Well, is it broke? Boy, I'll kill the next plumber that borrows this thing from me. <laughs> Say, Bob, what song do you think we ought to chop up for the folks tonight? Let's do one of those oldies that we can kind of play a little back. sneaky. Yeah. yeah. You know that, How Come You Do Me Like You Do? I certainly do. Let's go now. You folks in the front row there, watch it. Don't get too close to this horn. This is a flood area, you know. <laughs> okay, John. Okay, John. 
How come you do me like do, do, do? How come you do me like you do? Why do you always <laughs> make me blue? Mama, I ain't done nothing to you. You might be the meanest gal in town. I'm just mean enough to turn your damper down. How come you do me like you do, do, do? How come you do me like you do? How come you do me like you do? Ball fairy line. You were never in better lip, Bob. Now, if I may, I would uh, like to be excused for a minute and get on to a delightful chore here with Miss Patty Page. You ready, Patty? Yes. What's on your mind, Bing? Well, if you catch a little cold, I'll sneeze for you. Well, I'm not expecting one, but it's a very attractive offer. Well, I try to be gallant at all times. <laughs> this is a uh, sort of a semi-precious duet. Who starts it, Patty? Well, what do you say? Let's jump off together. You mean, well, you're taking a long <laughs> chance, gal. <laughs> If you catch a little cold, I'll sneeze for you. On a frosty winter day, I'll freeze for you. If you're restless, I will sail the seas for you to prove that I'm in love. If an onion burns my eye, I'm gonna weep for you. If I'm spying on a friend, I'll peep for you. If I wanna jump for joy, I'll leap for you to prove that I'm in love. And if you're nervous, I will bite my lip. I'll be your stand-in where you stand. And you won't have to move a fingertip Automatically your wish is my command If there's water in your boat I'll bail for you If you build a house I'll hit the nail for you If you break the law I'll go to jail for you To prove that I'm in love I'd love to be beside you everywhere To grant your wishes on the spot And if I spoiled you, do you think I'd care? I most certainly, most certainly would not At a phony wrestling match, I'll boo for you If you tumble down the stairs, I'll sue for you I have hardly told you all I'd do for you Cause I'd do anything you ask me to do To prove that I'm in love Thank you, Patty. Betty, go. 
One, two, three, four. Get the smoke that gives you more. Five, six, seven, eight. Chesterfields are going great. Thousands are changing every day. All over the country you hear them say, Chesterfield. 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 Milder, so much milder, milder Chesterfield. That's right. Seems everyone's changing in Arkansas. Well, the other day they even got Paul. He switched to the one that sets the pace with no unpleasant aftertaste. The best cigarette for you. That's right. So do what I always do. That's right. Sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. Mm. Friends, friends, it's true. All across the country, more and more smokers are changing to Chesterfield. How about you? Sound off for Chesterfield. For the first time, you'll get the cigarette that's much milder with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. A very popular ballad of the fall and winter season. Everybody's uh, had a go at it. I better do the same or I'll get shut out here on the good ones. Take away the breath of flowers It would surely be a sin Take the rain from April showers and it's a sin Take away the violins, dear From a lovely symphony And the music deep within Would cease to be is it a sin to love you so, to hold you close and know you are leaving, though you take away my heart, Beating there within I'll keep loving you forever For it's no sin Is it a sin To love you so To hold you close and know you are leaving Though you take away my heart, dear Still the beating there within I'll keep loving you forever For it's no
Now, as this meeting comes to a close tonight, I would like to thank Patty Page and Bob Burns for joining up with us this evening. I surely enjoyed it, Bing. See you soon, Patty. Folks, uh, you'll be with us, I hope, next week when our guest is going to be Mr. Fred Astaire. Bing, ain't you getting a little optimistic there? What do you mean, Bob? You just announced Fred Astaire will be your guest next week. You sure radio's going to hold out that long? <laughs> I think maybe it'll hold together for a couple of three more weeks, Bob. Anyhow, that's got to get it for now. We'll rendezvous with you next Wednesday night. Meanwhile... What are you waiting for? Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. For the first time, you get the cigarette that's much milder with the added protection of no unpleasant aftertaste. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Myrtle McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guest, Mr. Fred Astaire. Friends, every victim of infantile paralysis in the last five years has received aid from National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis Funds. Last year, thousands of needy polio patients received direct financial aid. Thousands more who were able to pay their own bills were helped by the trained personnel, by the equipment, and by the research also provided by your National Foundation. The March of Dimes is truly everybody's. Give more dimes and dollars to your 1952 March of Dimes today. Transcribed. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the Romberg-Hammerstein operetta, East Wind. Starring Gordon McRae and his guest, charming Mimi Benzel. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another distinguished musical play is brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Our story tonight takes half the world for its stage. Lovely Mimi Benzel is Claudette, and I am Paul, in a musical adventure born on the East Wind.
my child. Do you hear a voice in the wind, Monsieur Granier? Only the leaves singing in the poplar trees. It's the east wind, Papa Granier. And I thought I heard a man's voice singing to me. He's calling you away from us, Claudette. Will you write a letter now and then to your old schoolmaster from Saigon, from the Far East? Of course, Papa Granier. It will be a great change for you, Claudette. Here in France, your life has been so sheltered. My father will look after me. It would break my heart if any ugliness should touch our little Claudette. <laughs> Why, Papa Granier, have you forgotten all the things you teach us in the schoolroom? That life is good, the sun smiles on us, and the world's the most wonderful place in the world. Have you ever heard a call bell ringing? Have you heard it? Yes, we You stay right there with the luggage, Claudette. I'll go find us a carriage. Thank you, Renee.
have you, Mamselle? Where? In France, just before I sailed for Saigon. Then you must have remarkable hearing. I've been stationed here with the army for three years. Oh, well, I must have dreamed. Is this your first visit to Saigon? Yes. Well, then let me tell you something about life in the Far East. If you want good luck, you must gamble. You must gamble for your good luck. And if you'd love life, you must seek it. You must seek life if you'd love it. Out in the east, near the sunrise, fortune may change here with every breeze. So may my fate lie. Captain Paul Gervais. Gervais? I am Claudette Fortier. Mademoiselle Fortier, you must allow me to show you the sights of Saigon. Oh, I should be most grateful to you, Captain. There is so much I want to see. 
my best to show you round. You won't miss anything with me. Romance is just the word describing what I'm finding in you. I saw your eyes and I liked your eyes. Their look was tender and kind. That we would be the best of Good to see you again. How are you, Paul? You look great. Well, the army agrees with me. Do you know Miss Forche? Do I know her? <laughs> I'm engaged to her. Engaged? Yes. You, you're engaged to my brother? We, uh, we met on the boat. It was quite a long voyage. And uh, quite an interesting one. Yes. Yes, I imagine it was. My brother has something of a reputation as a ladies' man, Claudette. As a matter of fact... Just a minute, Paul. Excuse, my dear. Are you trying to spoil this for me? She's a sweet girl, Renee. And I'm going to marry her. Well, congratulations. Frankly, she's too good for you. What do you mean by that? You know what I mean. You settle down, give her a good home, fine. But if you hurt her... Did I ask for any brotherly advice? Oh, there's no charge. Unless you don't take it. Paul! What's wrong, Claudette? Rene is in trouble. He won't tell me what it is, but we have to leave Saigon. But when? Now, tonight. Oh, Paul. I never should have married him. Why didn't you stop me? Why, I thought you were in love. We were. But he doesn't need a wife. A wife is just a burden to him. Claudette, don't you know that I'm in love with you? Oh, Paul. Are you love? Are you the dream I've waited for? Are you my brave and shining knight with the right to take Are you mine? Then I am yours forevermore. Everything I do will be done for you. You can make or break me. Are my arms the arms you want around you now? Then let them hold you here while I have you near. Heaven won't forsake me. 
Rene is my brother, Claudette. You belong with him. It's too late for us, Paul. Claudette, hurry. We've got to leave. I'm coming. Goodbye, Paul. Goodbye. Claudette, are you coming? Yes, Rene, yes. Goodbye, Paul. Goodbye. second act of East Wind in just a moment. Report card time is mighty important in most of our homes as we follow our children's progress through school or college. And there's another kind of report that is important to each one of us, too. The reports on the progress made and the work performed by the railroads in bringing you most of the things you eat, wear, and use in your daily life. These reports show that in 1951, the railroads turned out the second largest job of hauling ever recorded in time of peace. In 1951, the average freight train moved more tons of freight and moved them faster than ever before. The transportation service performed in an average hour's operation, measured by the tons of freight moved one mile, was nearly 50% more than 10 years ago, double that of 20 years ago, and almost three times what it was 30 years ago. And that is only one measure of railroad progress. This great increase in efficiency is due in large part to a program of investment in improved plant and facilities, a program which has been carried forward more intensively than ever in the years since the end of World War II. Just last year, for example, the railroads put into service almost 85,000 new and larger freight cars and 2,500 new locomotives, and they would have installed even more if materials had been available. But while railroad reports for 1951 show near record volumes of traffic handled with record efficiency, they also show that the rise in wages, prices, taxes, and other expenses has been so much greater than the increase in freight rates which railroads can charge that in 1951 earnings were actually smaller than in other years when traffic was less and efficiency was lower. And it is upon these earnings that railroads must depend to carry forward their improvement program, a program which means more efficient, more dependable, more economical transportation for the commerce and the defense of the nation. Now here is Act Two of the Lawrence and Lee version of East Wind, starring Gordon McRae as Paul and Mimi Benzel as Claudette. Monsieur Grenier, this is my last day in Paris. Yes, Captain. My leave ends tonight and I must go back to Saigon. But I was told that you might help me locate a young woman. One of my students went to Saigon. Claudette? Yes, I was afraid it would lead to unhappiness. She married my brother. A despicable young man. Oh, Monsieur Grenier, where has he taken her? Do you have any idea where Claudette is now? I know exactly where she is. Oh, please, Monsieur, take me to her. <laughs> What is Claudette doing in this cabaret? Singing for her supper, since her husband does not choose to feed her. Shh, I believe this is her number. 
Mesdames et messieurs, the Club Continental presents the incomparable Claudette. time to time when he needs money. Claudette, I can't bear to see you singing in a place like this. I... Back to the east and the east wind. She will not go with you. Rene! Because she's married to me. If you would treat her with decency... Listen to the preacher. Tell me what's right and wrong, and meanwhile you'll run off with your brother's wife. That the idea? He is right, Claudette. I never should have asked you to leave him. I'm going now. Oh. I doubt very much we will ever see each other again. No. God be with you.
Arthur Granier. How long has it been since I sat in your classroom conjugating Latin verbs? Amo, amas, amat. Only three years. Three centuries. Surely you do not mourn for René. Mourn for him? He died as he lived, by violence. Now that you're free from him, Claudette, surely there is someone else. Paul? He's half a world away. The east wind will never bring him back to me. Back to Paris. But you love him. Oh, Papa Granier. I'd be a fool to fall in love again. A fool to even think of love again. Though the start is bright as a mayday, and your heart is right in its heyday, at the end, that heart is. Not quite empty, my child. You're my best audience, Papa Granier. Didn't you notice a certain army officer hiding in the shadows? Where? Paul! Granier, you, you promised. What's happened to you, Paul? What's wrong? Well, a, a soldier's life isn't exactly a safe one, Claudette. You're wounded. It's not too serious. He'll be much better soon. But what I am, Claudette, perhaps we can see each other again. Now is the time you need me. Oh, no, no, I'd be a burden to you. I... Paul, don't you want me? Oh, Claudette, what kind of talk is this? Pride, self-pity. Will you let that ruin your life together? So everything's not perfect. What difference does it make? You're in love, aren't you? Of course, Papa Granier. Oh, you know we are. Then I give you good odds the sun will rise on time tomorrow. And the world is a wonderful place. If you want it to be. Oh, yes. If you want it to be. Mimi Benzel will be back in just a moment. And meanwhile, thanks to Paul Fries, Herb Butterfield, and our entire company. 
East Wind, with music by Sigmund Romberg and book and lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein II, was dramatized by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroads. The railroads last year hauled a near-record peacetime volume of freight. Yet, despite all the service railroads performed, their earnings were less than in years when traffic volume was lower. That's because wages and prices railroads must pay have gone up much farther and faster than have their revenues. Today, when the railroads are playing an important part in our defense program and preparing for even bigger jobs ahead, it's important to you that railroads be permitted earnings that will let them go full steam ahead on their huge program of improvement. To the end, that they will be able to provide even more and better transportation service. And now here again is our petite guest, Mimi Benzer. Gordon, I'm convinced. The show train is the fastest thing on wheels. You think so, Mimi? Well, how else could we make two round trips to Indochina in just half an hour? <laughs> well, next Monday night, I'm going to be an old stay-at-home meme and remind you that springtime isn't too far off with orange blossoms. Oh, that's one of my favorites, Gordon. And who's your guest? Well, one of my favorites, Mimi, Evelyn Case. I'll bet you get a case on Evelyn. Duh. <laughs> and I'll bet nobody around here will take your money, Mimi. <laughs> well, good night, Gordon. Come back soon. All aboard. Well, sir, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next Monday night and orange blossoms, this is Gordon McRae saying Goodbye. <laughs> East Wind was presented by special arrangement with the Tams Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae can be seen starring in Warner Brothers' Starlet. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroads. Now keep tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. The proceeding was transcribed. Now the telephone hour features H.C.O. Pinza on NBC.